been looking for a podcast to help you transform your physical and mental. One that'll shoot you straight between the eyes with truth and no BS. Helping you have the right mindset to accomplish things. The iron will and fortitude to follow through with what you say you're going to do. No excuses. Mark owns martial arts schools, and after 30 years, he has some real insight for real talk, real life, real conversations, motivational, fitness, self-defense, weight loss, live from the Great 1-8. This is Real Talk with Mark Cox. Good evening, uh, ladies and gentlemen. I hope everybody's doing well. I am super, super excited. We're back on the mic tonight. And tonight, guys, I'm going to be doing an interview with Myron McKinley. He's one of my Krav Maga black belts, but even more fun than that, he is the keyboard player for our the world-famous Earth, Wind, and Fire. He is one of the premier keyboardists in the country and we're going to talk a little bit tonight about music and about martial arts. He loves them both. And we're going to hear about his journey, how he got about uh, to Earth, Wind, and Fire, how he found us here, and about martial arts, the discipline between the both. And I'm looking really forward to this. I, I hope you guys, too, do, too, and see um, about Myron McKinley's life. But before we get started, guys, I want to, we have an exclusive sponsor for this particular show, and our sponsor is RevGear. RevGear is the most premier martial arts equipment that there is in the country. We use it here at all of our schools and most schools that I know. That's R-E-V-G-E-A-R, RevGear. Paul Revlin's the owner there. And ever since he started RevGear probably 20, 20 to 25 years ago, I was buying equipment out of the back of his car before it grew to what it is today. So we've always supported each other throughout the years, and they're our exclusive sponsor. If you go to their website, RevGear.com, and you put in Real Talk, capital letters, Real Talk, R-E-A-L-T-A-L-K, you'll get a 10% discount on anything you buy. So if you would, guys, hustle over there, buy some great MMA equipment for yourself, and uh, without further ado, guys, we are going to be listening to the famous Myron McKinley tonight and learning about his journey. We'll be back with you soon. Okay, well, guys, we are here with Myron McKinley. This is Mark Cox, and we are doing this uh, podcast with Earth, Wind, and Fire's keyboard player. Uh, you do more than that, though, right, Myron? You yeah, more mu than music director. Yeah, your music director. So, what's that entail? Uh, basically, with that kind of band, because everybody's such professionals and elite musicians, is just kind of making sure everybody knows what the segues are and making sure all the production stuff as far as the sequences and all that stuff fits together. So it's just kind of blending everything together for everybody and making sure everybody knows what we're doing. So does that mean like, so when you go in your hotel room, are you kind of in charge of what's going to be on the playlist that night and stuff like that? Is that With Philip, he does that himself. But my job, like on stage, I have a mic that connects to everybody on stage. So when things flip and change, I'm the one telling everybody that we're doing that. And it, it might happen in the middle of a song. Like, he'll be singing, and he'll just look over me and say, I'm doing something else. And I gotta, I'm responsible for all 10 other people to know that that's about to happen right then and there. So usually that's why everybody's <laughs> like, you're not dancing yet, because I'm telling everybody, like a quarterback, da-da-da-da, <laughs> I'm doing dancing. You know, and so everybody starts transiting. So when the next song comes up, everybody's on the same page. We all know it. Oh, so you're kind of the point man for... Yeah. See, I didn't even know that as long as we've known each other. <laughs> I, I was like, you, you know... 
it's always amazing what goes on and behind the scenes mm-hmm. when music's playing. We're enjoying your guys' talent, and then in the background, you know, the the stress level is probably uh, off the chart. It's like know? the swan, you know, yeah. underneath is all this paddling going on, <laughs> but on the top is all smooth. That's that's yeah. what that's what it's supposed to be. But trust me, at the end of the night, everybody's like, we can "Pull that off." <laughs> so I'm sure that, I'm sure it's just like anything else. Like martial arts, when we whenever we were competing and stuff like that. And we make some major mistakes, and we'd be in the back room going, "Oh man, we got lucky on that." Mm-hmm. I'm sure. I'm sure you guys have those. Oh, absolutely. Uh, those uh, those after uh, after uh, set talks. I'm Ab- sure. Absolutely. So it's been good. So, um, you know, Myron. So you know, that's that's probably what you're known for the most is your you, you know you're playing and and doing what you do with Earth, Wind, and Fire. But I have you on here also to talk about your martial arts background and. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what what where did you start you you started before you came to me what did you yes. start doing i started with taekwondo and harando um right during high school and really heavily in college with taekwondo and harando and who where where were you taking that at so were at you taking USC? At, oh, so at sc uh-huh and they had a karate program there then. yes yeah so they have several of those or did they at the time it was only one Mm. Um, but I was kind of just a mutt going around the different ones, but it was a really good school, a really good, um, karate school that was there. Were you doing music at the time yep. of that too? So mm-hmm. your, your major in school was music. Music and, performance, yeah. And then you're, and you had, well, they kind of go hand in hand. Discipline goes hand in hand. Whether Absolutely. it's discipline of music or discipline of arts, arts is arts and without discipline, you never become what you can be anyway. Mm-hmm. Correct. Mm-hmm. So. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's been, you know. Did they do taiko drums there at SC? No. So UCLA had a taiko drum. Mm-hmm. You know, I love playing those taiko drums. And um, I have wondered the other colleges, but I know UCLA had a top taiko no, drum. Oh, we uh, missed that at USC. Yeah, yeah. so that's um, – did you get any black belts in, in taekwondo yes. there? Yes, yeah. So who was that under? It was under JW West, but that wasn't at USC then. That, that wasn't was a, there. That, that was, wasn't was a different school. Um, Joe Bong Lee was the um, head of the – USC Harundo class, and I got a green belt there. So Harundo is, you know, I, I can see now that you said that. I, I, I knew that we've, I mean, we've known each other for years, but I know we've talked about your Taekwondo training, mm-hmm. and you've always had off-the-chain kicks. But I guess, you know, Harundo is, is definitely, that is a that is a, a Korean kicking art. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that explains a lot. <laughs> it explains yeah. a lot why we had to work on your hands. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, but um, we certainly didn't want to get kicked by you. That's for sure. Mm. So, so what? How'd you come? How'd you come to our school then? Uh, when I moved out to the valley, um, I started looking for schools because it was always something I always wanted to do in hand in hand with with music. Um, it kind of kept me focused, and I started looking around the school. And I remember I came here and you were testing little kids. And there was a three-year, or maybe a five-year old little kid, and they were board breaking. And I remember you standing there, and I was just sitting in the back, and the kid didn't break the board. And it was a little five-year-old, and he was trying his best. And I was like, oh, it's so cute. And you said, if you don't break, you don't pass. And I was like, man, he's rough. <laughs> <laughs> and the kid broke it. And I was like, when I have a son... He's coming here. And so I started coming way before my son did. But, you know, I started coming after that and then, you know, met you, of course, and realized, I was like, oh, this is a really good school. Everybody's really into it. And that's how it happened. Yeah, that's, you know, that's an interesting story. You know, I didn't, you know, I, this is what's nice about these these podcasts. And I really kind of get a more intimate look at, at, at um, 
you know, the students and everything else. I'm sure you have this in your career. You've probably uh, pushed somebody to do something they, they didn't think they could do just mm-hmm. by watching you or what, what, what you have done. You know, it's, you know, discipline is a, uh, it's a weird thing. You know, it, it, you need it in everything in your daily life. Yep. And, yep. you know, there's a difference, right? I, you know, that's probably what you saw. You know, there's a difference between between being disciplined and having self-discipline. Right. Right? And so there's times you have to be disciplined in order to develop self-discipline. Mm-hmm. Right? And so, you know, I'm sure, but I know now, you know, now of course, your son's one of my black belts too, but he's also an off-the-chain uh, piano player. Yeah. Right? Just yes. like dad. Right? <laughs> And so I don't know. Did he have some natural ability, or he definitely has it? Uh, he, he has a gift. I think he has a better ear than I did, and he has an amazing gift. His thing is the focus and the discipline on it. His problem is everything he's done has been easy, right? Mm-hmm. So because it's been easy, he doesn't focus on it, and so we have to tell him, Christian, everybody can't do that. That's that's a gift that you have. And he's like, huh, I didn't, you know, so it's hard to make him understand the discipline part and go further. And so I've had to take time and go, you know, look, this, this is talent. This is gift. And this is work ethic. All three things, all three of these things go together. If you blend them, you could be amazing. I said, but they, if you miss out on one, you know, the worst one to miss out on is work ethic. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. You know, you can have a gift, you can have a talent, but if you don't have work ethic, it's only going to get so far. There's people who have work ethic that will get further than the person that has gift and talent if they don't develop that. But explain that to a 10 year old. It's hard. It's, it's kind of hard for them to get it. So, you know, I have grown children. So mine's, I'm a little older than you, but so I've had some grown, you know, my, my children are all grown at mm-hmm. this point and in college, but some weren't even married. But I remember leaning on him the same way. And, you know, um, teaching work ethic. Mm-hmm. One thing about teaching it, right, you're, you're such a good dad anyway. You know, you, you've got these, these lessons that you put in front of your son and, and the education that you get to give him. And I've done the same thing. You know, I may not be uh, the richest man on the planet, mm-hmm. but my work ethic is second to none. Mm-hmm. You know, and I get that from my own father. True. He's still that way today. You wow. know what I mean? At 78 or 79, I think he is, almost 80 years old, and he still has the same work ethic today. Both, And luckily for me, my both my parents are still with us. So, um, you know, I've seen that in your boy. Uh, you know, I don't know if you know this. You know that I gave John Wood an honorary black belt. Did you know that? No, I didn't. Okay. okay. So I'll tell you the story because what, what you just did, it's always bothered me as a, as a teacher, mm-hmm. as a coach, that, you know, my brother and I were very different in the martial arts. He was very talented, mm-hmm. and I had to really work in order to achieve. Right. You know, he had to work, but I had to work, mm-hmm. right? My brother skipped a couple ranks, got his black belt in record time in our school, stuff that never just happened. He just happened to be a more natural athlete than I was at the time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, and But he had strong work ethic. And so here I have that, right? I have this, all, all this, I don't know watching these guys with super talent and no no ethic. And I'm like, yeah. yeah. So I asked John Wooden that. I said, hey, you, you've coached the top people in the world. So what is it like to have somebody with so much talent and then they can't, uh, um, then they can't, they have so much talent, but yet they, 
you can't give them heart. And then you got guys with extreme heart without the talent. Mm -hmm. And I said, so how do you deal with a guy with, you know, the latter is easier. Yeah. Heart and developed talent is easier than talent and developed heart. And he goes, oh, you're 100% right. He goes, that's why sometimes they need a pat on the uh, on the shoulder. And mm -hmm. other times it needs to be a lot lower. <laughs> there, that it was it. <laughs> there it is. That was his advice to me. There it is. Now, I remember that vividly that day asking him that same question about wow. what does that look like, you know, um, for a coach. So, you know, that that's really good. Now, well, well, so tell me, so we talk about the martial arts man. Mm -hmm. Have you been playing piano and, and keyboards? What what drew you to that? Oh, I started that at three. My mom put me in piano. Everybody in the fa my family was kind of musical. Um, I grew up in a heavily um, religious family. Pretty much everybody was a pastor or an evangelist. So I was always playing in church and started at three, and that's how I you know, kind of got started. <laughs> So, so it's been that long now. Have you yes. had work ethic all the way like that, or no. did you have to be pushed? Did mom and dad push? It, it, I think one thing that I learned with my mom, she would always come in and sit with me and play. So it never was practice to me. Ah. So when I was when I was practicing, she was sitting in there with me. So I just felt like, oh, me and mom are doing this. I don't think it got to ten when I realized maybe maybe six or seven or ten when I realized and started doing competitions that it, this was serious, you know, and then when I started getting paid and they would pay me to do a wedding and my mom would give me $10, I get $75 to do a wedding and I would, she would give me $10 and I was like, man, this is cool. Or, you know, playing at the church and the girl would walk around and look at me and give me her number. I was like, <laughs> oh, this has benefits, you know, but I didn't really think of it as practicing till probably around that, that time. But by that time I was already in it because the love of the music was already there. So I was spending like three or four hours playing. Mm. Did So do you see that when you were younger, uh, did you have any confidence issues or did the music help you with confidence or did the, did the music in, improve confidence you already had? No, I think it helped with confidence because by playing, you always had something different than everybody else, especially for me. When I was playing, I was playing at the church. I was the youngest person playing at the church. Um, when I went to school, they would hire me. Well, they would have me take me out of class and play for the other grades if they were having a program. So they would come, you know, I'm in fifth grade. Oh, we need Myron, <laughs> you know. Uh -huh. So they would come get me and i go play for the eighth grade program or whatever. So you started getting little things where people would look at you like, oh, why is they getting out of class? But I realized the more that I did this, the better I would get called for other things. And so I kept doing more and more and more of that. And so that confidence definitely happened with the music. Um, I think the martial arts helped a little later because, you know, I was, I was growing up in 64th and Cimarron, which is Rolling 60s neighborhood, the whole gangs and all that stuff. And so, you know, I'm walking around with a Chopin book yeah. <laughs> and Bach, and they were like, prime target you know so my dad was like i'm tired of you having to do this so you got to get in martial arts and that's how it started that's how it started hmm. did you get did you get did did you get your college paid for with your music yes i went to um i had audition uh by that time i'd already done usc annex which is a part of um usc but there was a school for younger kids that would go there and they would teach and um Shoot, uh, what's his name? Went Marsalis came and taught us there. It was 
it was surreal to have him come and teach at that school. And so we all went there, and by the time it was audition for college, I had already had three different teachers from different colleges and been taking three three different teachers from probably 10 till 18, so, you know, time to go to college. So when I went to the audition, they had me play all these different things. I played my solo piece, and they had me read and do some improvisation, and the guy goes, I'll see you in the fall. And that's what he literally said, and I didn't know what it meant, so I went back home, and I said, Dad, what does it mean when he says he's seen you fall? What he said? Well, Probably means you got in, son. <laughs> and that's how it happened. Yeah, well, wow, that's an, yeah, that's an awesome story. What what pushed your dad to take, put you in martial arts? What did he say? What was he looking for for you? Or is it just because the area you're growing up in he wanted? Well, I always loved it. I always faked like I knew it. <laughs> I, we always done Yeah, we all I always faked like I knew it. <laughs> So he was like, you need to, you need, first of all, I think he saw that I had the discipline to do it. And then he put me in there. And the first one was a disaster. The first clue he put me in, the guy was, because I wasn't paying attention, he just ripped me a new one. He had me stand in the horse stands for like over 40 minutes. And I was sitting there with legs shaking and everything. And I told my dad, I don't want to come back here. This is horrible. And I kept going. You know, he ended up kept going. And I ended up leaving that school maybe a later, but I found a much better school, which was the Taekwondo school. And by this time, I was already kind of in college, so I had the dedication for myself, not somebody taking me. And mm. plus, the teacher, the, the, the teacher makes all the difference in the world. You know, I, I agree with the that. The teacher, when he when I got there, he saw what my natural ability was, and then he saw what I didn't like to do, and he made me do that more. <laughs> but he did it in a way where I didn't realize I was doing it more. Until it got to the point where I was like, this is, you know, I was going every week. You know, I ended up helping teaching the little kids and all this other stuff. And so he knew I liked to give because that's what music is. You're giving, yep. you're pouring. Yeah. So I was 100%. giving it to the little kids. And and next thing I know, you know, I'm going up the ranks really quick. But I wasn't thinking of it as work at the time. And I think that's the best thing for a kid or any individual. If you don't look at it as work, you pretty much will excel quickly. Yeah, I agree with that. But I think that's a life lesson in general, mm -hmm. right? I think I've told my my own children, if you chase money, you won't be happy. But if you chase what you love, yep. money will come. It will. You know, it may not come in buckets like you want, but, it, you know, I'd rather have uh, small buckets in, and enjoy what I do than just be miserable exactly doing what I, what I do I mean it's, it's stressful for everything we do but I I think work ethic is not taught in school I think we mm -hmm. are in a you know you like you said you saw me at one time with a five-year-old and and me pushing him to do something that he doesn't think he can do I know it's hard for parents to watch I was a parent I watched my children go up the ranks yeah. and you know yeah. as a matter of fact I fought my son on his third degree and made him cry you know what I mean I remember it like it was yesterday yeah. and uh you know, but he remembers that mm -hmm. today. You know, Michael's 26 now, so my son's like, Dad, never been pushed or hit as hard as what you've done to me. Wow. I feel I can, I can take about anything at that point. Yeah. And so that is, you know, what you feel is a failure sometimes in thing. But I, you know, I'm kind of old school. Mm -hmm. You're in, you're in that. You know, I'm 59 now. Mm -hmm. You're in your 40s, correct? Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know. There's just a different work ethic, and I don't see it taught. It was taught in school for me. Right. We had shop classes. You know, shop yeah. teacher was no joke. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you goofing, goofing around in shop class and stuff, man, you're getting chewed. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my football coach, man, grabbing my helmet and in my face and, you know, 
Yeah. You know, you know, waters for the weak. You know, I want to hear you. You know, all the yeah. all the all the stuff that I, I crave for today mm-hmm. is probably kind of what formed me uh, in it is. So yeah, that was yeah you know, some good. I didn't know about a lot of that about you. It certainly explains. I knew you had talent when you came in here. Mm-hmm. I could tell you had training. I know we've talked about your taekwondo, mm-hmm. and I think we even did talk about your you you getting a black belt mm-hmm. in taekwondo, and um, and you know, and you love the krav anyway. You know, yeah. it's a different animal, right? Yeah. I mean, you've yeah. done I've done traditional martial arts just mm-hmm. like you have, right, in Tongsudo and. And then, you know, you come from that background. Yeah. And I, I noticed that most people that come from a traditional background eat it up like candy. Yeah. Okay. I learned, a, I remember the first time coming here and you told us how to do certain things. And I remember thinking, wow, we didn't even get into this at all mm-hmm. in Taekwondo at all. You know, never did they do the gun takeaway knife. I mean, we're doing this in like day one I came. <laughs> That's right. And I'm like, what the heck is this? You know, and it, just the scenarios that you put in was what got me adapt, made me really go into it. It's like, I remember you were saying this and, you know, what about his friend? I That took, I'd never forget the what about his friend. That took me forever because I was so used to the tournament style of fighting where you That's correct. Here, let's go, let's do this. And so everything I did was like that until you were, you know, I remember you put me in a setting with one dude and the next dude came and kicked me and pushed me down the street, you know, I mean, down the, um, the mat. And I looked at him and you were like, you forgot you forgot about his buddy. You said it so nonchalant <laughs> that, that I was thinking, yeah, they do have friends. People do have friends, you know. That's correct. And so that's what really got me into it. And I tell everybody now, it's like, man, if you really want to know how just to defend yourself without, you know, don't not slacking on the forms, but that creates a discipline in itself. But just, you know, defend yourself, I would definitely suggest Krav. Right. I, I think that we have an advantage that we did traditional martial arts. I believe, um, you know, me as your teacher, I – I saw weakness in self-defense already, mm-hmm. even in, even through my ranks. Luckily, Mr. Chikawa, my instructor, he always allowed me to kind of go outside and learn self-defense, and I brought it back. I never went for another martial arts until I got fourth degree in the one of Tongsudo. After okay. that is when I pursued and got something in Hapkido, and then um, Krav Maga was introduced to me. And same with you, man. Mm-hmm. I went to a gun seminar. This is how I was introduced, and I was like, in a four-hour time frame, I'm like, we never did none of this. Yeah, I have over 100 black belts, and all of them would get shot in the face. <laughs> yep. That really bothered me. Yeah, I was like, "What the heck?" Yeah, and you know, I think all traditional martial arts—I don't know how your instructor was—but I was a hardcore martial artist anyway. Mm-hmm. You can you can sense it. I was more the Cobra Kai guy mm-hmm. uh, in the in, even in our alliance. Right. You know, I was just strong. I was strong-minded. I was uh, self-defense was on my forefront. Maybe it wasn't always the best, but it definitely would get the job done. Mm-hmm. But we didn't really have answers for guns and knives. Yeah. You know, our knife stuff was so stupid. And I'm like, when I look back on it going, what, what one steps with knives, really? And um, so it, it, you know, it really twisted me on on that in martial arts. Mm-hmm. And, and I know because I leaned on you a long time because you had so much talent. And I and and you, I said I needed, you know, yeah, we, oh, I, you know, we call you uh, to, to pow pow. You know what I mean? I, 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 I people ask me about that all the time with you. Why do you call Myron that? And I says, I'm gonna tell you exactly why I call him that. I said because I know when he's in class. If I'm not teaching class and I'm sitting in my office, I hear the pad work, mm-hmm. and I hear this tit 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 tit, and then all of a sudden I hear this pow pow, 
and that's because he's kicking. And I said, that's Myron McKinley on the mat. And I said, I know it is. And uh, But now it's kind of like pow, 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 pow. I can't even. It's gotten even, better. Yeah, <laughs> I'll just tell you that I, I remember when you did that. And I remember maybe the second year. I was like, you know, I'm, 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 I'm going to show him. I'm going to show him. <laughs> and I went really hard trying to. Pro- and I swear for the next three days I could not play piano. And I was like, what the heck am I doing? <laughs> My hands were shaking. And, you know, and then you started showing me how to turn the wrist and all that stuff. But at that time, I just started trying to do it harder and didn't know how to do it. And I was like, I'm, I'm, you know, this is not work. But, you know, I wanted to put tip-tip-pow-pow on my shirt at the Black Belt. I wanted to put that on there. It was, well, it was really a pleasure watching you finally test. I know you've, you know, because of all the touring and stuff you have to do, mm-hmm. and we have to kind of do it in and out. But, you know, you did everything everybody else did, including the white noise. You know, yeah. people can't understand the white noise until they do it. I mean, that's an all-night test. Yes. It starts at 5, yes. and it don't end until 6 a.m. Yes. And, uh, you know, it sucks. I thought you were joking, but when it was for real. Yeah, it was for real. I didn't think you'd have a problem. You're used to staying up all oh, night. But <laughs> that was that was so fun though. It was actually yeah. really enlightening. And it just what I like about the test, all of them actually, from you know, because none of them are easy. None of them are hour. They're all like three to four. You know, what I like about them is that they make sh- make sure you're exhausted to see if you know That's the technique. Right. Mm-hmm. And so by the time you're starting to do any technique, you're so tired that if you don't have it in you. It's not going to show. And you actually get a chance to see what you know. Because right. you really don't get to push yourself that tired until you till, till the test. And then you're there, you're like, oh, my God. And then, then you see what's natural in you, what your natural response is going to be. Yeah. Well, it was, it was hard, right? Yeah. You know, you're, you're here and, uh, you know, they don't know that the keyboard from Earth, Wind & Fire is going through a kill house. Okay. And you got... You <laughs> you're got, getting you shot. Know, you're getting shot and you got ARs coming at you yep. uh, with sim rounds in it and you got to defend yourself. I mean, it's, it's yeah. for real. It's not... It's no BS. And it, it lets you know, what have I got shot on the street or what have I not, right? Mm-hmm. And and uh, I know we talk about it all the time. And I think you've told me a story or two where your martial arts has come into play. I mean, you're pretty famous when you're out there, so everybody kind of knows who you We've are. We've had a couple of little instances, nothing major, but little things that, you know, you just kind of, one thing you just got, you're around so many different people, and then at the end of the night, sometimes they're intoxicated, and they, they, yeah. they want whatever they want, and they, they're thinking you're somebody that maybe you're not, and, you know, I've learned how to, you know, just the one thing you said, how to put your hands up and say, hey, I don't want in trouble, instead of, flexing you know just Mm -hmm. to put your hands that has saved a lot of things you know just even to to put your hands in a situation to push them away and so it's a lot of stuff i learned that helped as opposed because we can't hit them we're not supposed to right (laughs) we're not supposed to you know (laughs) let me put it like that we're not supposed to hit them (laughs) you know you tell the marine that (laughs) let's not talk about that (laughs) that's funny um i i agree i think that if I didn't have my martial arts training, I wouldn't have some of the self-control I do. I'm mm-hmm. sure that that has helped out. I'm sure it helps out both ways, right? And, you know, when things get stressful on stage, you either, yeah. and you have to compose yourself. Absolutely. It's the same thing on the street, man. If you if you feel that heightened and you your adrenaline's kicking, probably just like it does on stage, right? Mm-hmm. When things are going awry, your adrenaline's probably like, oh, man. There's nothing and, like uh, 100,000 people looking at you right. and, and somebody's going to make a mistake. That's right. <laughs> and they're not going to remember the whole concert. No. 
They remember your mistake. They remember you started the wrong song. Right. Exactly right. <laughs> that's, that's exactly right. Yeah. You know, I don't know if you know this, but when I went and saw Tears for Fears mm-hmm. with uh, Hall and Oates, they mm-hmm. had they had a venue. I took my daughter. Okay. And I don't know. You know, Tears for Fears was not really on that night. Ooh. Okay. Mm-hmm. And of course, they opened their set with "Everybody Wants to Rule the World." I'm like, what? With their hit. I'm like, what do you do? I mean, were they doing two songs? Yeah. I'm like. <laughs> What are you doing? That's it. The next one shout, and the rest is nobody knows, right? And so I was like, and we're here, but he was so angry on stage with somebody that was doing something wrong. I mean, yeah. you could see it, and I'm like, wow, yeah. man, you got to exercise yeah. a little more self control than that. You know, you can chew him out at behind the scenes, but man, it just put all the all the focus in on him. And that's all I remember about the concert. I remember two things about them. Hall and Oates was awesome, mm-hmm. but him, you know, Tears for Fears. Yeah, I remember him being a jerk. Yeah. And somebody making a mistake on stage. I don't even remember any of the song. And, of course, you do the best song that you have first. Well, like you were talking about teachers, I remember, uh, I'm going to say this about Philip Bailey. When he hired me to do his musical director when he went to Japan, we did this big old rehearsal for a week and came up with all these different arrangements. And, you know, we were just happy to do the show. And we get up there the first night and we we fell on our face. Like it was just too much arrangements to remember in a short amount of time that we did. And I remember thinking, this is my first time MDing him for his solo show, right? I'm thinking, I'm fired. I'm <laughs> In my mind, I'm just thinking I'm fired. I'm going home, right? I'm fired. So the whole show is just little mistakes, enough where, you know, you just feel like this is horrible, right? So Philip at the end of the night goes, oh, we made it through that. And I remember thinking, wow, he's not stressed. He's not tripping. He's not embarrassed. He's like, you know, like, and the next, the rest of the shows, they were all killing. They were great. But what I liked, what I learned so much about him and got respect for him for that was that that was the first night that, Mm -hmm. you know, you found your footing and now what do we need to fix? And we fixed it and we kept going. We didn't, you know, let it go. We fixed it and got, you know, everybody got together and fixed out what we had to do. But you know, when your leader is confident enough to know we're cool, you know, and not freak out, that kind of helps everybody else. Right. I think I agree with that. I think, you know, uh, keeping everybody calm in chaos mm-hmm. is, is probably a key to, mm-hmm. to, to it, well, I could guarantee it's, 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 it's a key to winning battles. Yep. Okay. Because if you go and, and everybody around you is crazy and they're, and you, and they're struck with fear and you've got the leader that's all whacked out, he's going to be the same thing. It's amazing the correlation between when I listen to, to you talk and your stories of, of the martial arts and the, and the music world. I think it's probably why I've always enjoyed music. Mm-hmm. You know, I played guitar as a kid, and um, I told you I've always wanted to play saxophone. And I mm-hmm. finally picked it up a couple years ago, and um, I just really, I've, I've really enjoyed doing it. You know, my son played, you know, of course my son likes heavy metal, so mm-hmm. you know, he's always screaming in the thing, but he, you know, he likes it. And now Daniel, um, Daniel's really kind of taken off on on playing guitar. Wow. You know what I mean? And he's really enjoying it. And there's a, is it Shake? Is it Shakelin? Uh, who's the pickups that everybody uses? He's a famous guitarist. Uh, gosh, I can't even remember his name now. My son delivered pizza to him the other night. Oh wow! <laughs> and now he's texting Daniel all the time. Hey, I'm giving you a tour. Uh, they just hit it off. That's great. I'm giving you a tour of the of the of the, of the place. We're gonna, you know what, and and all that. And I was just like. Wow. You just never know who you're going to meet, son. Yeah. Even delivering pizza. Yeah. You never know where your life's going to take and where it's going to where it's going to turn. So, so you have you have something that went viral. Mm-hmm. You know, let's talk about that. Where, um, 
and you and I guess Earth, Earth, Wind, and Fire, you know, they they back you on your trio that mm-hmm. you do. So, would you consider your band, your trio band, a jazz band? Is that, uh, um, or what would you what 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 genre I, would you call it? I, I guess the closest would be jazz. Would it? Yeah. I mean, for lack of a better terminology, yeah. So, why don't you tell the audience what's your what's your what's your band's what's your band's name? The band's name is Myron McKinley Trio. Um, we got started doing what I would do for keyboard um, providers for me would go and perform at NAMM show. Now NAMM is a big situation where everybody goes and shows their new equipment and all the companies. And so I would go and perform and just kind of play on something that I was using, just kind of to advertise, you know, the band that we're doing. So at that time we were just doing it with different people. So I called my bandmates now, Stacy and Ian, Ian Martin, Stacy Lamont Sittenor, and we rehearsed, and we were going to do the same thing. And I taught them an original song of mine, which is called E12. And I didn't even think to do it. I was like, we're not going to do it, but let me just show it to you guys. And so we practiced it, learned it. And so we do the show, and then Stacy leans over to me and says, we need to do E12. And I was like, man, I don't, that's, that's just too cerebral. Let's, let's not do that. He's like, man, we got to do your song. We got to do your song. So we start playing it, and we're just having fun. You know, because right? we just we're just literally having fun. Mm-hmm. Little did I know, and I know you're in. The, I know you're spiritual too. Spiritual too. There was a pastor sitting on the side of me, recording the whole thing. I don't even know this guy. Sitting there recording the whole thing, and he strategically plays where he sees everybody, and gets a good audio of us playing. So he records the whole thing. Two days later. Stacy calls me. He's like, are you watching this? I'm like, watching what? So he sends me a link. It's on YouTube. And it's like, who are these guys? And they're playing a song. So the, my first reaction is, who's playing my song? <laughs> Literally, my first reaction is like, who's playing my song? And I see the video, and I'm like, wow. And next thing I know, it's just boom, boom, hits after hits. You know, just goes viral off of that. And we ended up being ambassadors for United States to go teach jazz in Suriname because of a video. Well, no recording, no album, no nothing off of a video. And it's just like you never know how things, like you say, you never know how things are going to happen. This, We didn't know this guy. You know, when I met him later, you know, I reached yeah. out to him, said thank you, you know, gave him a free lesson in the piano, you know, but it was just like you never know because we were just so having fun. And what I really realized out of that was what you feel important and what you connect to is going to show to everybody else because I kept saying nobody wants to hear that. Mm-hmm. I was really wrong. I was obviously wrong because the stuff that I've created from that point on and we played together has been has grown from that right well that's how you're that's how you really put this trio together that's mm-hmm. the launching point right exactly and i i think i'm gonna you know what i what i take from what i hear from you i think uh passion is uh you can't fake passion mm-hmm. and when you have it it just erupts in the room right. and people gravitate towards mm-hmm. it and i think that and it cannot be faked yeah Passion can't be faked. You think you can fake it, but you can't. Mm-hmm. You know, and and the love for something. And I think that's why, you know, I, I feel like I, I I'm a good instructor. And I think not that I'm the best martial artist, but in the world. Mm-hmm. But it's hard to beat my passion right. on the mat. Right. And my real my real desire to have people make a connection to the martial arts, to make a connection to their life, to better themselves, not just to 
not just to defend, mm-hmm. but to um, but to champion themselves. Right. You know, to understand when you're in a bad situation that you can get out of it. Mm-hmm. There's always somebody that's and and work ethic. See, even me, even at my age, you know, I'm an old warrior at this point. You know, I used to be the young pit bull. And now I'm kind of the junkyard dog, you know what I mean? The the, the old guy that uh, that's got one good fight left in him, that yeah, type of I've thing. I've heard right? about the the, the the minute for every year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I, when I turn sixty in March, this this year when I turn sixty, I'm gonna do a white noise roll, and so I'm gonna raise some money for vets that mm-hmm. night. But I'm gonna travel to all our AKMF schools, and mm-hmm. I'm gonna have students of theirs sign up to do. Uh, to grapple with me, okay, and then uh, I'm going to take that money and I'm going to give it over to our vets. Is what I'm, and so that's what that's what I'm doing for my 60th. So it's it's going to be uh, that's great. I should be good and tired by that night. But yes, sir. It, it's but I also know. I think music has helped me with this too, and the nice thing about music is sometimes even you even if your dexterity and stuff goes away, but uh, like anything else. You, that the feeling inside it just it just doesn't yeah. and my desire to compete mm-hmm. has never gone away and my desire to fight has never gone away mm-hmm. now i've had some health issues sometimes that they can't take it so i can't like i can't bang like i used to right, right. so but i can roll mm-hmm. so it was made me feel just like a warrior again you know what i mean so i, I just really kind of fell in love with that again and oh, you good. can't fake the passion you know that's what it what we're talking about you yeah. can't you can't do it. I see it when you play. Yeah. So you draw us in, you know. Just like uh, a good teacher will draw you in when they're showing you a technique. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I remember watching you. I brought my son, and um, you know, Gabriel loves music. Mm-hmm. Even though he's a headbanger, he loves all music. And I remember him saying, "Man, Dad is his playing is off the chain." And oh, and of course, great. you know, you're always kind of geared to the drummer because mm-hmm. he's so animated. So you can't see all, all three of your guys yeah, yeah. are super passionate about yeah. what they do. And then you have these guest singers that come, right? Yeah. And they're yeah. off the chain. Yeah. So you have all this this talent and all this passion, all this drive. You can't help, but it's like electrifying, you know? It's cool just to put all of – that's the fun part for us. And I think – it's funny. I look at it now. I think we wouldn't have been as prolific in our playing if we didn't – if we started earlier, I think that the fact that each one of us played with everybody, like, you know, Stacy played with the, the Jacksons and he's played with everybody, you know, Mandrell's and Ian's played with everybody from, you know, um, um I forgot the guy's name in, in Vegas, uh, Barry Manilow and just, just tons of players. But because you were able to put yourself in these different roles for these different artists, when we play our stuff, we're able to cultivate that sound for that song. Mm-hmm. Or as to, you know, there's some people that are just good at that one thing that they do. Because we, but because we've been able to play with all these different people, you know, when I play with Whitney, you couldn't do certain things. You know, Earth, Wind, and Fire, I learned this is what you got to play. You play this for the whole song. You can't go off and, and, and do your thing. Do your thing. You got to play this. So you learn a certain amount of discipline and that. But then you see when it works and what you're doing as well. So when we do our own stuff, there's still a certain amount of discipline, but we leave sections to shine and do certain little things like that. And you learn that from playing from all these different things. And the same thing with those artists, you know. That's one of the things I learned from also when Maurice came to one of our rehearsals, Earth, Wind, Fire, he came to, I got to 
being in a rehearsal with him and you're gonna love this. So we're we're performing, we're we're playing the song, and Maurice walks in and everybody's kinda like, Oh my god, Maurice White's here, oh, right? The grandmaster. Yeah, show. yeah. So we were like, Oh, so everybody's kinda playing the stuff and we're thinking we're jamming, right? So he walks, he listens, and he kinda bobs it, and he starts walking around everybody, and he leans in, he whispers something in everybody's ear. I don't know what he to this day, I don't know what he said to everybody else. He came over to me, he goes, Take your left hand and don't play the rhythm in the left hand, just play the right hand. And he whispers it, and he went around to everybody in the band, and it was almost like Legos being moved till they clicked. And then finally, when he was done, and when he, when he when he got through with everybody, it just boom. There was this. And then it was the Earth, Wind, and Fire song. Then it was you know it, it sounded perfect. Then it was just like the record. And what was most impressive about it to me was the fact that the way he did it didn't embarrass anybody. It didn't stop the groove. He just did it with a little nudge with every person. And then the fact to this day that, you know, nobody knows what he says to each person. Now they know what he said to me, but no one knows. It's just a little nudge he did to everybody. And I think that's when I was like, wow, that's what we, as a as, as a leader, that's what you want to do for everybody you're working with is a little nudge so that they do their thing in the best way. Yeah, wow, that's a that's an awesome that's an yeah. awesome story. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would take a lot from that. <laughs> you know, listening to well, when you got somebody that have that those kind of years of experience and yeah. they just, you know, they can see you and, and they can see it. Well, the thing about it is you can see a whole picture, mm-hmm. and that doesn't come except for with experience and age. I, yeah. I don't know what to tell you. You know, wisdom that's comes true. with with experiences and age and and to develop that young talent that that that's that's the next stepping stone. So that's wow, true. that's just a yeah, that's a super. That's a super story, man. That, that's that's really cool. Now, is that where you? So, are you on YouTube and or are you on Spotify or anything? With we're your... on YouTube right now. Um, we're we're building our whole website to finish everything up, and you know, COVID kind of shut a lot of that stuff yeah, of down. Of course, it did. But uh, COVID, <laughs> we have there's a there's so much stuff that we were working that's still going to come out. But right now, a lot of most of our our materials on YouTube. So, so is this E12 that you wrote? Is this a song that can be seen on on Myron McKinley Trio on YouTube? And yes, stuff if then? you Google E12 Myron McKinley, it definitely would come up. Yeah, because yeah, I remember you doing this now when mm-hmm. when I came to watch you play with my son. It was, yeah, it was off the chain, and I I just remember I remember you sending me the link you go, mm-hmm. and say check this out, and then you sent me that link, right? And I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> okay, and. Uh, because I don't know, man. There's just no fake. There's just no fake in that, man. You guys were just, just the people that have known each other for years, and you guys are just playing together and doing your thing and yep. having a good time and yeah. And uh, and God put a pastor there to, to I guess to uh, <laughs> to record to, it to record it. <laughs> I mean, that that wasn't divine intervention. I was That's like, it. what? Really? Yeah. Well, I've had you know I've had a lot of that. I've had a lot of. Uh, I've had a lot of those those people come into my um, into my path. Mm-hmm. It's taught me a lot of life lessons, dude. A lot of things that, when you look at your inner self, sometimes you're going, "Man, I," you know. If you listen to my last podcast on ego, mm-hmm. on on me just just blowing it in a, in a in a tournament, so mad that somebody in a wheelchair won. I was I was such a jerk, right? I'm like, I'll never forget it. These life lessons that, mm-hmm. that that I come that 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 come from that stuff. So, 
you know, it's a, it's just a, it's just, just good to hear those, those stories that you got. So when you're doing it now, what's some of your favorite places that you've gone to go and do you train when you go? Um, I love, uh, of course, Japan. Uh, yeah, you always talk about Japan. <laughs> never, never really trained there, but definitely love over there. Um, on the road, it's kind of, it's funny on the road. Nobody wants to train with me. <laughs> Nobody wants to hold a pad. Um, one of the guys that came to the class here, he he's our sound engineer. He he'll hold the pads every now and then, but uh, it's kind of hard to get into a groove because of the way the travel is. Yeah. Some nights you're leaving on the bus that night. Some nights you might have a hotel, so it's kind of hard to kind of figure out when you're gonna do it. You know. So it, it, it makes it hard to train. I remember Paul was always getting on me like, oh, you need to, you know, get a jump rope and do something while you're out there. Because, you you know, you kind of get used to just traveling, playing, sleeping, traveling, playing, sleeping. And that's that life. You know, you might have one day off. And when the day's off, all you want to do is just kind of relax because you're not going anywhere. It's not the glamorous life everybody thinks. Oh, my gosh. I've been backstage with you. I'm like, yeah, it's, you know, it's like, oh, it has man. its moments. There's yeah. moments when it's great. But, you know, really, it's a it's a hard run. Yeah, it's a know? run, dude. It's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a grind. Yeah. It's, and it's so there's, there's moments where you go, man, you know. We got to go to Paris and see a bunch of stuff and, you know, ride the bullet train. You have to look at the, the, the moments that are great. They can go, oh, this was really cool. Cologne, Germany, I love that. London, you know, being at Albert Hall, that's great. You know, all those, you have to look at those moments. But then you have to also realize that most of the days, you know, you're traveling for maybe five out of seven days, <laughs> you know, constantly. Yeah. And a different hotel at a, at a different place every night. That, you know, living out of a suitcase, you know, it, it, you kind of hard, you know, my biggest thing for me is to rest. So like, because I don't want to get sick, because if, if somebody gets sick on that tour bus, everybody gets sick. Yeah, everybody's down. Yeah. So everybody's taking vitamin C, everybody wants to get rest, everybody wants to make sure they're sick. So it's kind of hard to, every now and then I'll get somebody to train and we go hard for one day and then you know, it won't do nothing for the next week, you know. <laughs> now, is there any other, is there anybody else that that goes with you that are martial artists uh ralph johnson has a black belt in tang sudo does uh, he really yes yes who's he who was his instructor? i have to ask him but i'll have him reach yeah, out to reach, you yeah reach out to me i'd like to know who his instructor was in yeah tang sudo. he has a black belt in tang sudo um our saxophonist gary bias has a black belt in something i think i'm not sure if he has a black belt i know he's taken it for a long time i think that's it you know, I and, and I ask that question usually amongst musicians mm -hmm. because it's amongst musicians. You know, Eddie Van Halen that just passed was in martial arts, yes, big time, yes. And um, it's just, I don't know. There's just something hand in hand. Music and martial arts are just, I don't know. They I mean, just if go you hand look in at hand. the samurais. They they part of their samurai training was some form of poetry or music or That's, you know. Yeah. So all that goes, you know, like you said, it's the same discipline set that goes to both of those you know That's if i right. have to practice scales i have to practice scales for a long time if you have to practice you know when you were teaching the gun technique where we have to go underneath i don't know how many times i sat in front of a mirror just doing this that's right so i can get to the habit of going it goes underneath and not do this so that whole methodology of keeping doing the same thing is it's, it's all in the same boat and so when you do it, you you know, like I see Christian, if like, for example, if he really wants, like when you taught him the commas, oh my God, you couldn't touch him. 
I mean, he would practice that in the room left and right. He still does it now. And I was I was terrified. I was like, why are you giving him comedy? He's going to cut himself. <laughs> but he was he was great at it. But he you only cut yourself it. once or twice, and then you learn not to do it. <laughs> you only bang your head once or twice. Once or twice, and then yeah. that's it. You know, that, those that's over. It's self it's self correcting. <laughs> <laughs> but the growth is always in the mundane. I tell every every strong martial artist, mm-hmm. the growth is in the, in the foundation, mm-hmm. the boring, the mundane. Yeah. You know, I think Bruce Lee said it best, right? Fear not the man that does 10,000 things or, or a gazillion black belts. Fear the man that's gone, done one thing, yep. you know, 10,000 times. And my favorite be, is, you know, if you practice like it's the real thing, you never have to worry about it. That's correct. Yeah. You know? It's, 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 um, I don't know. There's something healing about, uh, both of them, the mm-hmm. music genre and, uh, uh, and, and the training. I just, um, see how that, well, I don't know. You know, my spirituality goes right along with it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's times that I lift and uh, and pray. I call it, you know, praying and pushing. There and uh, where I, I just, I don't know, I just had a rough day. I'll put casting crowns on or something mm-hmm. to that effect. One of those well, Christian bands I really enjoy and mm-hmm. uh, and just push um, and 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 spend that time, yeah. uh, you know, with God and, you know, on on certain things. I mean, there's been some... There's been some hard hit things here, uh, COVID, and we were speaking a little bit before we went on air. But just what it's done to to people, yeah. you know, and what it's taken away, and what it continues to take away. Mm-hmm. You know, I look online now about, oh no, you know, our kids aren't going out trick or treating, and now start now it's starting to hit the holidays, and what is it going to do? Yeah, uh, got to be careful around your folks, you know. Uh, and then, <clears throat> you know. Then they take away gyms and they take away churches. Yes. You know, so you can't grow mentally or physically or, or spiritually. spiritually. Yeah. And it's just like if I didn't have my martial arts, if I didn't have the discipline in my head, it doesn't mean I don't have bad days, mm-hmm. but I certainly will will grind and I will work it out. Right. And uh um you know, and music has a big thing to do with that for me too. Yeah, I've always had a, I've always had this vision of you at a black belt test playing a piano, and it's not yet happened because COVID <laughs> screwed it up again, right? Yes, right. I was like, the only time you're at a black belt test, finally I could have Myron play, right? And That'd have been fun, you're not yeah. there, and I'm like, <sighs> and I've always wanted. I don't know if you know this, it's a bucket list for me oh, wow. to have a Christmas party uh-huh. and Myron playing Christmas music on a piano. I, I've I've wanted that for Let's as long as I've known you, right? Let's and you're always it. gone at at, at Christmas, mm-hmm. and uh, you know we have a black belt testing at that time. I said I said I swear I'm going to have Myron do this one time. Yeah, I said one of these days. Well, I look. I think we're here this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, well, this might be the year. Right. I, you know, I always said that too. I said I'm going to have Myron in that Chatsworth parade in his Kramaga black belt. And belting out freaking tunes on that on that thing, I said it. It's just, I've always had these visions of of you. I've always been in awe of my students who are masters in their craft. Mm-hmm. And I write, and I know it's hard, and, and it's funny, right? You're a master in that world, and and when you're in my class, you know you're you're Mr. McKinley now, right? You're Myron, and and uh, I'm always giving you, you know, I'm always giving you the business and something right. like that. But you know, you're the you're the main guy for Earth, Wind, and Fire, but we know you in this environment, right? right. We know you here, and uh, then when we got to really see you in your environment, I was like, man, he is off the chain. I mean, that time that 
we got to see all you guys uh, at the Hollywood Bowl and the fireworks Oof. are going off. Oof. And yeah. Kat and I were there and I was like, wow, man, look at that. Look yeah. at him, you know. Yeah. And that sense of watching you on stage and going, look at him, man, in his element. He's just awesome. It just, and it, it amazes me because I, I have that all over the place. Right. In here. Yeah. Like Bridget talking to me, you know, I have another, yeah, she's guys, hey, I don't know if you know, but I got hired by Apple because she wow. got laid off. And she, and I'm like, well, she goes, yeah, they send me all the stuff at home. I'm doing most stuff at home. I'm like, what are you doing? And she goes, oh, you know, I'm writing programs. So anything you hear music wise, something to do with sound, she's going to be like developing and coding. I'm like, you, you know. Wow. I said, that's just way too smart for me. Wow. And I said, she, and, but to see these these guys in their element has been, but it's always intriguing, right? A black belt's an intriguing thing. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. how I've always got to meet some President Reagan. I got to meet John Wooden, like I told. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. There's something about a black belt that's that's very prestigious. I guess it's almost like a like 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 you say, playing in a band. I mean, it's, it shows the work that you put in. That's I right. Mean, it definitely shows. You know, it's it's an achievement to show that you studied and was able to do something, achieve something. You know, yeah. you always can look back on. I mean, I use that for Christian all the time to tell him, like, like you were able to do this. I remember when they were throwing him around the mat and he was crying like a baby you know, the whole time. And I just, I was like, look at you now. You can't yeah. stop it. You know, so, you know, you can achieve anything you put your mind to. None of this stuff was easy, easy when you started. It, that's, a, that's a good cornerstone, especially for kids to realize when they do that. Like, look, this is what you achieved. Everything you did. I remember when we first brought him, he cried. He did not oh, want to yeah. be here. I remember he cried. Oh, he did know. not want to be here. And, and I remember after two years, he started sparring. He came to me with his bloody lip and was like, this is so fun, Dad. I'm like, this dude's bleeding on his lip, and he's having the best time of his life. I was like, see? Everything yeah. changed. You know, it's amazing. You know, it's just it's it's a testament for you and your wife on 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 the parenting side. I've been doing this for a long time, so I'm 32 years into doing martial arts, right? Mm -hmm. 32, maybe even 35. I don't know. Uh, school opened in 1990, but I was doing martial arts five six years before I opened one, right? And so, mm -hmm. but I've seen it. I've seen it before I had children, and I saw. You know, of course, before you have children, you think you know how to tell parents how to raise their children, and I'm, I look back at myself then going. You're just a jackass, <laughs> and uh, you don't know Jack. And so I said, uh, you know, but now that I've gone through this and I see, I can't tell you how many parents I see take their kids out right before they win. Wow. And I, and I tell them all the time, I said, you are going to regret this like you have no other. Mm -hmm. And I said, and your kid's going to come back to me one day. And I can't tell you, it, it's not happened once or twice. It's happened 10 to 20 times that wow. kids that have left, that have come and seen me at 20 years old and go, I should have never stopped this. Mm -hmm. I should have never stopped it. It's always been in me. And I'm always saying, you know, now there's one or two that's come back and kind of finished what they started, but it's few and far between. And right. so it's a testament to you and your wife to, you know, uh, and I just, you know, I, I, I like, I reach out to the to the men, you know mm -hmm. what I mean. I was a single dad, so um, I raised my children too. I wasn't a, I wasn't a weekend dad. I raised right. my kids, right. and they still with me today, mm -hmm. right? Except for Michael, mm -hmm. uh, you know, who's gotten married. But um, I know what it's like to uh, for a, for these for these strong men to be in their their sons and daughters' lives. I mm -hmm. mean. I'm a strong influence for my daughter, so yeah, I can. Uh, so I, she's. I'm the role model that she can base who she wants to spend her life with, mm -hmm. not some dirtbag. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then I'm that role model for my sons to have some grit and 
and work ethic and push them. Right. Now, you know, it doesn't mean I hit it out of the park all the time. And I, and I do have old school in me, but I see the same thing with you guys. Yeah. I've seen those parents that have been with me for lifers. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've been with me. I, I think your son started at Little Dragons, right? Little yeah. five-year-old class. Oh, yeah. Right? Absolutely. He was and four when, he, when I brought he him He's four here. now. Now, how old is he now? He's ele- He's... 11, yeah. 11 He'll be 12 now. in December, yeah. And I think he's second degree black belt yep. now, right? Getting ready for third. Getting ready for third. So think about that. That what is, you know, every, and this is a big thing in our industry, right? That, that people talk about, oh, well, but, you know, I don't know if kids should have black belts. Mm-hmm. Well, in, in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, you don't. You're not allowed to have a black belt until you're 17 years old or oh, 17 wow. or 18. So you get, you know, there's ranks to go up, but you can only go up so far. And so, you know, kids that, imagine that though. What, what kind of black belt are they going to be if they've been doing that since three and they stuck it out yes. all the way to then? Yep. They're, they're, they are some pretty bad to the bone. Yes, they are. Right? And I just, I've always felt that at junior black belt ranks, you grow into your black belt. Mm-hmm. You know, so I had a different philosophy in traditional martial arts than, than that. And a lot of schools have juniors as black belts, but you look at, at, at your son now, Christian now, and just go. Uh, I'm yeah. glad I, I pushed I'm him. I'm so glad I put it in there. And, you know, and yeah, that he got bloodied a little bit. You know how many boys need to get bloodied a little bit? Well, he, what, what I think changed her mind, too, was we had an incident when he was in second grade. And he had been coming here probably about two years. He was in second, no, maybe third grade. And a fourth grader came up to him and started tried to push him. And so Christian put his bag down and said, I'm not the one. <laughs> I could totally see him saying that. And I just started laughing when she told me because, and the kid just turned around and left. And I said, that's why I put him in it. I said, he probably could have got his butt beat or whatever, but the fact that he was confident enough to say something to stop it, that confidence that it happened in the third grade is going to go with him for the rest of his life. Yeah, it is. I said, that's what I put him in there for. You know, whether, and, and even more so, he didn't have to do anything. There was no yeah. altercation. Just the fact that he was able to stand up for himself and say that changed his whole perception of his life from that point on. Yeah. Well, that's an awesome story, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's great. You know, that's, you know, I live for those, those type of moments anyway, that uh, uh, to, see, to see them come to fruition, mm-hmm. to see them get better than me. Um, you know, I'm in that stage of my teaching now that I've got these group of young men and women that, that you far raised. surpass <laughs> me as far as skill level goes. Um, you know, they still learn a lot from me as far as how to teach and how to uh, transfer knowledge. But just to see them grow into a, a totally different animal mm-hmm. um, than I was at their age. And that's because they get to have all my experience at their young age to get past me from what, what I did. Because... It was pretty one-dimensional. I mean, you came up like I did. You know, it's pretty one-dimensional martial arts. And even back in my days, it's like, oh, Tong Sudo is the only one that you can take. And there mm-hmm. was no mixture of anything. You know, right. it was a big taboo. And uh, I always thought that that was just um, what a waste, right. a waste of time. Right. And uh, now it's, you know, mixed MMA and mixed martial arts. And what used to be the Gracies were, were the stronghold. You know, now, you know. The Brazilians don't only own Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu anymore. I mean, it's a it's a culture now. Yeah. And, you know, you got to give it to them for bringing it here, but now it's a culture. Mm-hmm. And now everybody has something to do with that. That's and, true. you know, I think, uh, you know, I'm not sure in your music world, in the professional music world, I'm sure you've got the masters of masters in there, and then you got the up-and-comings, and you, you can see... 
you know, yeah. the difference of, yeah. wow, that guy's going to be a serious musician. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure there's a difference, right? I'm sure there's a serious, you know, there's talent, and then there's a serious musician with talent. You know, I'm sure there's, you see the same thing, the same thing as we see in the martial arts world, right? I guess the best thing, um, one of my favorite piano players was Kenny Kirkland. He passed. He was um, played with Brad from Marsalis, and probably the most prolific piano player that can play all styles and just all over the place. And I got a chance to hang out with him and, you know, take a talk, take a couple lessons and learn from him. And the best thing he told me was, and I remember talking to him saying, man, there's moments where I feel like I can do this and do this. And then he's, he's like, look, you guys don't have the, the venues to do like we did. We used to play three nights a week playing at jazz clubs all the time together. You guys don't have, he said, but, there's things that you can do that nobody else can do. Focus mm. on those. And I remember him saying that, and that was really influential for me playing because it's like there's certain gifts that God gives everybody that's kind of going to be your focus. Now, that doesn't mean to not learn other things, but if you focus on those things that are, your strong points are and build those up, that's what he was saying. And so that helped me to stop realizing, oh, I can't do this, I can't do that. You know, like there are certain players like with huge hands. Okay, my hands are not like that big, but I can play, you know, you have Art Tatum and Oscar Peterson. Uh, you know, Art Tatum didn't have as big hands like that. Art Oscar Peterson didn't have a certain hands. So you just have to change certain things and focus on those strengths like that. And I think the same thing in martial arts, you figure out, like, you know, like you said, Bruce Lee said, you figure out what works best for you that you can do for your type. And then focus on that strength. Yeah, I think that's that's awesome. Yeah, that's an awesome analogy there. You know, it's you know even our coach Sergio, our coach, our Brazilian Jiu Jitsu coach, he says um, he says this all the time that your opponent's never going to do better what you do. So you got to do what you do, mm -hmm. okay, and, and get do what you do and do it not mm -hmm. think about it. So he's, he's been a really good, he's been a really good coach for me, even at, at, you know, I continue my learning just like I do everything else, but, uh, and, and that, so, and that was an, that's an awesome analogy. Isn't it awesome when you look back on some of these mentors that you got to, that have passed yeah. now and that you've got to spend time with, yeah. you know, I remember giving Reagan, a a, a black belt too. And yeah. I remember talking to him. I didn't really understand the, how auspicious that that thing was at that particular time as i look back on it now and go god i could ask him so many more questions wow right you know yeah. i'm like i i had this opportunity to be with him and i and i blew it you know what i mean and so uh and then when i got picture a signed picture from him in the mail to mark See. best wishes ronald reagan and uh, I was like, man, I, you know, I just, I think back on that. John Wooden, we got to do it a little bit. Mm -hmm. He was so stoked to get a black belt. It was funny, right? He was just standing up. And he kept his uniform on. Oh, the and best. then I kept, you know, I come to find out that, you know, he had a room. He only, he, he was a meager man of, he was, had a two uh, bedroom condo. Mm -hmm. And one of his ones, all his awards. But his, his top, his Tonksudo top and mm -hmm. his plaque, he kept in the hallway. And his top, he kept in his kitchen. As, I don't know what about it. Just something about it he loved, right? He loved and that, for us yeah. to sit and get to talk with him and, and sit and have uh, a meal with him and listen to his experiences, you know, those are some stuff that I that I treasure. And, and you know, this will be one of those things, you know, being able to talk to um, to you, Myron, on, on, you know, you're at the top of your game in, a, in an industry, you know, that is, um, I mean, you don't get bigger than playing with Earth, Wind & Fire. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what generation don't know. Yeah, yeah. Or love them. Yeah, they you know have. What I mean? They have a whole. Nothing. I mean, I gotta say that they they have learned how to move an audience like I've never seen before. I've seen from kids from three years old, seven years old, all the way up to seventy, crying and hugging each other, dancing, and that feeling that you get from being at one of their concerts. The songs have committed them to history forever. It's just like oh, they'll never, yeah. they'll never go away. Yeah, it's amazing. And uh, it, it's even when you're driving or September comes on or something. I mean, it just brings you right back to yep. either, either it's good. It brings you back to your to your school days, or it brings you back to watching your parents, remembering your parents, yep. remembering them, and then uh, and then get to see. Uh, you get to be part of that, you know. Yeah. What I mean, I, mean you're, I know you're right in the mix of it. So sometimes, you know, it, you know, when you get to sit back and look back and go, "Man, that was just some awesome There's, stuff." It's just amazing musicians from Verdine, Ralph Jones, all of them, you know, Larry Dunn, all of them are just amazing to you know watch what they did and to listen back to it. You know, I've heard some of the original tapes of them playing. I'm going, "Man, these guys! Oh my God, what you know?" It's just yeah. amazing. You know, so yeah. it's it's ahead of its time. It's just, just totally ahead of its time. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I learned, man, I learned a lot with uh, you on these things tonight. I mean, we got to, you know, we got to beat around a, a little bit. I know your the COVID's got you, you know, yeah. at home, and and uh, you know, we were talking about that before we went on the air. That just it's just taken, uh, you know, taken. Could you imagine not having music? <sighs> That's what's happening. Imagine? That's what's happening. People are right. searching and trying to find it. it. That connection is being lost right now, and the entertainment industry in all its all its forms is just taking the major, most biggest hit. I think, you know, from Broadway all the way to you know we talked about Cirque all the way to Cirque to you know any entertainment gatherings. You know, it's just it's nothing happening. Yeah, and you know, even in the sports now, so I, I, I'm going to compete again in my age bracket in mm-hmm. Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, and so we, I signed up for a tournament. It was supposed to be in September, mm-hmm. and we were training as a team, and we were ready to rock and roll. I mean, I was amped, mm-hmm. and a week before out in Seal Beach, they canceled the event, and I'm just like, man, this sucks. Yeah, you know what I mean, and. uh yeah. Uh, you know that's a big you know you train for something like that physically and then it's just dropped out from under you and it's uh and i see what what's happening mentally for 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 health i tell all parents i said uh keep your kids physical and if there's any way to put them in in some something musical do it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know i don't care what it is you yeah. know what i mean i don't care if it's learning instruments or letting them sing or listen or learn about the music i say because nothing moves it, it's you know uh, of course, God's highest angel was Satan that di- that that decided to to go from him. But he was he was an instrument. He was an instrument. And he, <laughs> he was the musical, mm-hmm. you know, and it is so. And then just when you listen to the archangels, or what when you listen through biblical times on what music is and the connection to soul and a connection to God, there is just a connection in music like no other. Right. And there's a connection in physical. I think that's why I even say, you know, I we do this role here, we do Jesus and Jits where we do a Bible study and uh and then we roll, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, you know, you're you're studying and then, you know, you're getting spiritually found and then you're getting getting physically uh challenged and mentally uh thinking mm-hmm. while you're playing this game, right? 
And there's just something different. There's something when you get to play music with somebody else. Yes. And there's something different when you have combat with somebody else. Yes. There's a strength and a uh, camaraderie and a soul touching that there's like no other. Exactly. And, you know, as much as, um, and I hate this COVID. Yeah. And I hate it for that very reason. But I tell my students too, this is the time. You're in the fight. Yeah. yeah. So this is the fight. The fight isn't always, you know, punching somebody in the face. The fight is how to get through something this way and stronger on the outside. So you're going to get two things. You're going to get stay home and get fat and watch Netflix and, and eat a bunch <laughs> of food. Or you're going to make yourself better through it. Find some way to you overcome know? it some kind of way. You know, yeah. and so, okay, I have this time. How do I make it better for myself? Because soon... You're not going to have this time anymore. Remember, yeah. before COVID, we're like, oh, man, yeah. I have no time. Yeah. Now it's I have too much time. So we're really, as Americans, we're just not really never happy about nothing. You know, we're either there fat and happy or, or you know, we're super stressed because we, we're running a million miles an hour. There it is. And so, you know, That's true. I mean, it, it is what it is. And I'm just as guilty as everybody else with the same thing. But I did take it upon myself to do another 75 hard in this. Yes. You know, I'm on day 65 of my You've 75. You've been hitting it like crazy. Yeah. So... <laughs> You know, and, and, you know, and I have a journey and, and I had a health scare. So with that comes, you know, some, some changing and then the COVID hit and I know it's stressful for everybody and, yeah. and seeing these and not being able to go, I mean, your venue, I mean, we were yeah. so excited to come and watch your venue and then it got canceled, sure did. right? And then it got rescheduled and we couldn't even come because we had testing, Yeah, you know what I mean? So I missed out on something, you know, that we had tickets for. And yeah. by the way, <laughs> Uh, just so the audience knows, uh, just because I know Myron, I didn't get no special seats. Okay, it's like, bro, you got to get on there and get these seats ordered now, or you're gonna. And sure enough, I'm like, I told him as soon as it went down, though. Right, I I'm like, say. I called you the same day. Yeah. I'm like, dude, do you know this thing is freaking sold out already? Yeah. Sold out in one day. Right. He he I, he goes. And you asked me, did you get it? I get. I got something by something or other, but I I said we're there. Yeah. And I said. Uh, I said, but I said, I can't believe that, that yeah. this thing is sold out. I we've said, been blessed to, every time we perform the show, that sell out every show that we've done as a trio. We've been blessed to do that. It's been amazing. Yeah, it's, it's, it was so, it was one of the funnest shows I, I enjoy. Of course, I enjoy that jazzy type mm -hmm. music anyway, the saxophones and the, and, the, and the keyboards and the drums. I mean, I don't know. I just enjoy it. Yeah. And uh, it, it, it was just a lot of fun for me. So, all right, dude. So we got you. Um, we're gonna wrap this up, Myron. I think we cool. guys we got you on Myron McKinley Trio on YouTube. They can yep. go listen to your music there. Yeah. And uh, I think that um, they would do themselves. A, do you have on that one on that that from the Nam show that you? That's on there. Def the the original ones. The original on there. ones on there. Yeah. Yeah. I'd encourage anybody to go take a look at that. I mean, how many hits has that thing got now? I haven't even looked. I haven't even looked. This is, yeah. you know, it's just funny to watch and go back and just hear it and go, wow, we weren't even thinking this was going to be what it was, you know. Yeah. Well, it's been awesome. And it's been awesome having you as a black belt in my school. You know, it's been fun to uh, be your it's teacher been, through been that. It's been great to have you as a teacher. You know, it's, uh, it's you know, it's a grind. And, and, and that's something else you get to, you know. From a dad to dad, you know, your your son gets to see, hey, it may have taken me a little longer than everybody else because mm -hmm. I had other obligations, but still got it done. Yeah. You know, and it, I was so glad to be able to do it, not privately, but in the setting that we got to do it. Your family got to see, we got to tie your black belt on for right. everybody. 
Yeah. It just, I guess that's the positive of COVID, right? Yeah. Uh, there's always a positive that comes out of these negatives in our life. And so it was really good that your family could see and be proud of you and, and live that day and have some teammates with you and, and do that. So it was fine. It was, it was good. Fine. It was good. Well, this is great, it. man. I, I enjoyed it, Myron. I'm sure I'll get some questions. Okay. And, uh, you know, we'll see what we, we, we hit back on. You know, maybe we'll do this again after you go back on tour a little bit and we can we'll hear the, what's the stories next. You know, what's it like, Sounds you fun. know, uh, after COVID, you know, right. post COVID. You That's going to be interesting. Right. Yeah. Because we're going to have a whole new thing to talk about. Hey, yeah. this is what happened. Or these are the new protocols. Or, exactly. You know, you can't look at each other, you know, <laughs> whatever it's going to be. All right. So wow. that was awesome. And I, I hope everybody uh, enjoyed Myron. Go check him out uh, on uh, YouTube, guys. And I appreciate your time tonight, Myron. Thank you, sir. All right, sir. All right. You've been listening to Real Talk with Mark Cox. Real life, real topics, real conversation. We're passionate about motivation, fitness, self-defense, weight loss, and coming at it from a real angle. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. And we hope you had fun. We know we did. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit us up on Instagram and Facebook at MarkCox100. Make sure to subscribe and review. And tell a friend or two about the show. For more, hit up the website at MarkCox.com. Till next time, keep it real.